Welcome to Life-Altering Events with Frank Sakari. When something positive or negative changes in our lives, we are basically at a fork in the road. Where does the next step take us? What do we do as reactions to something that has already happened? How do we prevent the negative aspects from happening again? Whether in business or personal parts of your life, you can get back on track. We'll talk about it today. Now, here is your host, Frank Sakari. Good morning. Happy Tuesday. This is our 10th show of 2020, and so far this year, the response has been absolutely tremendous. I appreciate your support, so please keep listening and tell all your friends. My name is Frank Zakari, and you're listening to Life Altering Events on the VoiceAmerica.com Empowerment Channel. Now, since we started this show six months ago, the question I get asked most often is, Frank, what exactly is a life altering event? And this is what I tell people every week. A life-altering event is something that we either choose or something that's thrust upon us that dramatically alters the trajectory of our life. What a life-altering event presents us with is an opportunity to seize the moment and make a difference in our life and in the lives of our loved ones. They are a fork in the road, and we have a choice. Now, we can choose to fall apart, or we can choose to find the courage pick up the pieces, deal with our grief, and start moving forward toward better times and better people. Remember this, it is never, ever too late to have the life that you want and you deserve. As you listen to this show in the coming weeks and months, and I hope years, I urge you to think about participating in an upcoming episode. If you have a life-altering event that could inspire others, Visit the Life Altering Event page at voiceamerica.com, click on email the host, and tell me about this event that so drastically changed your life. What happened, how you addressed it, the impact it's had on your life, and where you are now. We will review it for content, and if it fits with the program, we'll contact you about using it in a future broadcast. As of today, we have over 26,000 listeners in 20 countries. So let me share your story with the world. Well, today our life-altering event is creating a life of service. Now, have you ever needed to contact a government agency or a social agency? Of course you did. Of course you have. How'd that work for you? Like most people, you probably started out with a Google search, which narrowed it down to maybe like 500. Not much help there. Then you did a more detailed Google search, and you may have gotten the list down to 100. After you click through enough links to make you blind, you're frustrated, and you start to call organizations on the list to explain what do you need and hope they can or will direct you. After you listen to very long email or voicemail messages with 14 different options that you have to put push, you wait on hold for 10 to 15 minutes each time, you finally get to speak to a human who tells you, I'm sorry, that's not our department. If you're lucky and they don't immediately hang up, they will give you another five to six other organizations to call. So you start making more calls. And I guess you probably waste a better part of three to four hours or more, and now you're more confused than you were when you started. Your frustration now turns into a seething anger, and you're ready to throw both your computer and your phone out the window. Now let's add another layer to that scenario. Let's say you've been living and working out of the country for the past few years. 
You live in an environment that has its own language and detailed processes for how to do things and a support team in place to help you get what you needed. Let's add one last variable. Your job is extremely high stress and a mistake means people die. That last scenario was life of an active duty military person. They signed up for this life and the vast majority served with honor. However, this honor came with a very high price. All of them went into the military whole and many came back as veterans physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually different. Many suffer from post-traumatic stress syndrome, PTSD. One day they were a valued warrior. They had a defined role, a clear mission in a community with self-esteem and respect. The next day they're unemployed. They have no defined role or mission and many times lack of self-esteem. Now don't feel sorry for them. They signed up for this life. Veterans don't want your pity. They want and deserve help. But where do they go? And who do they call? And how do they quickly find the correct organization that will help them? Many states and communities have attempted to set up programs to help veterans and their families traverse the maze of agencies and services. Many states provide veterans with a manual, which is the size of War and Peace, with dozens if not hundreds of organizations, and now we're back to the situation I described earlier. Now fortunately, the state of Arizona has become a model. Arizona has over 600,000 veterans, and they took a very proactive, hands-on approach. Arizona started the Coalition for Military Families and designed and developed a program called Be Connected, which is one of the most complete and comprehensive programs in the nation. I recently had an opportunity to attend one of their training and certification events, and for someone like me, who is not easily impressed, I was completely blown away. So we're going to talk about this. Today we have Kellyanne Wild, the Assistant Director, or maybe now she's the Director, of Programs for the State of Arizona Coalition for Military Families. Let me give you a little bit about Kellyanne. Kellyanne is an Iraq War veteran. She served seven years in the Arizona Army National Guard as a public affairs specialist. Post-military, she worked in communications and public relations before joining the Coalition for Military Families. Kellyanne, welcome to Life Altering Events. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. Kellyanne, when we spoke, we, we have had a number of veterans, male veterans, combat veterans, <coughs> on the show over, over the time here. But you're the first female veteran. So you served in the United States Coast Guard and were deployed to Iraq. Tell the listeners about that experience. What was that like? Um, so <clears throat> I was actually in the, the National Guard, um, not Coast Guard, so Army, um, Army National Guard here in Arizona. And I, whew, what was that like? Um, it's interesting. I will have to say to be able to go and have that type of experience at such a young age uh, was incredible. Really gives you perspective on um, how lucky we are here. Uh, also gives you lifelong friendships. There are people that I deployed to Iraq with that will be, I mean, they are some of my best friends and I won't see them for years, but when we get together, it's there's just this bond that um, even my spouse says. It's like, okay, when she's going out with her, you know, uh, friends from Iraq, it's just a whole other 
it's a whole other ball game. Like I know you're going to be gone for a very long time because we just connect and it's so interesting the stories that you kind of forget until you start talking with one another or realizing that um, there's a lot of people too even now that I'll be talking with and we'll realize on, on our team actually the Be Connected in the Arizona Coalition for Military Families where we realized we would be in Iraq and it would be like the the day that I left was maybe the day that somebody else got there um, and just the overlap is crazy of how it feels like such a small world too um, but really to talk about what it's like overseas I think it's different than most people think. I think there's a lot of assumptions. That's one of the reasons um, I joined is I wanted to see it for myself. And I think a lot of times when people think about, oh, you deployed to Iraq, like, oh, that must have been so hard. And yes, it was hard, but there's also this interesting simplicity of the life over there when you're deployed because you could be on a smaller base like a smaller forward operating base you can be on a large base but when I was there I didn't have a cell phone you knew exactly when you were off of work um, you knew where to meet people so it was kind of like when I when I came back from my deployment having a cell phone again I remember this is something that really stressed me out when I came back having a cell phone on me where somebody could reach me at all times and expect to hear back from me right away was just so overwhelming and stressful and especially when you get back, people are really excited to see you. You're excited to see them. Um, but you're also excited to be alone for probably the first time in a very long time because you're usually in the barracks with somebody or you have a room where you share it with like we had um, forgetting what we called them now, but it's almost like a small little dorm room. And I had one other person that I lived with um, while I was over there. And it's just sort of you get excited to kind of be able to do your own thing. But people are so excited to see you and connect with you. that You're just like, man, I'd just give me like 10 minutes by myself. Um, and I know that was really tough for my family to understand because they were just like, well, what are you, we're trying to see you. And I'm like, I, I understand that. But I just want to like just sit in quiet for a second. Um, so I know that was an interesting part of the transition. Now, you were 22 when this happened? Yeah, so I deployed when I was 22. So we started our training when I was about 21. I was 22 and I deployed, and I remember I had my 23rd birthday um, overseas in Iraq. And that was, we had a barbecue. So that was the other thing. People don't realize, like, one of the bases where I was, there were um, two movie theaters, two swimming pools. Um, sometimes people think, oh, the food must have been awful when you were there. And actually, we had like Wednesday nights were surf and turf nights. And this is on one of the large bases. I'm not saying this is everybody's experience. Um, but there are some bases where they had really good chow halls. So when you come back, you're like, oh, I'm used to just waking up and breakfast is ready. So is lunch. So is dinner. Now you come back and you're like, oh, I have to cook and do all these things. So there are those advantages to the military that I think um, people don't really talk about or they don't think about, too, that we had a lot of fun while we were overseas too i was in basketball tournaments um there was one there was actually one this was a really cool story that i did since i was in public affairs but there was um a, a woodworking unit and then a welding unit and they were both from california and they ended up joining together and building a half pipe to be able to skateboard really? while we were overseas. So the first time I ever skate skateboarded down a half pipe was in Iraq, where people would be like, oh, these are not the things that you think of when you think of somebody being deployed. Now, on the other hand, there are definitely difficult situations that you go through, but I think these are the things that, that people don't realize sometimes, that you also have a lot of fun over there, and you, you do build camaraderie and friendships, and you meet great people. So that that is an advantage to it. When you came back, as we've had a lot of veterans come back, and they said, I, 
no one even understands what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So, so what were some of the challenges returning home that you found um, trying to re, re, reassemble it? Or, or reintegrate. 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 <laughs> you get yeah. the right word for it. Mm-hmm. Reintegrate again. Um, so for me, it was I had some, there were some small things. So I remember even, so I don't come from a military family whatsoever. My, my grandfather served in the Navy um, for a, a a small period of time and then he had diabetes so he had to get out of the service so it wasn't something that I grew up around Um, not a lot of people that I went to school with ended up leaving high school and joining the military was really one of the few Um, so when I came back I remember I would try to tell my family stories in the military like each branch of service we even have almost our own language because we use acronyms for everything so I remember I would tell my mom stories and I'd be like oh yeah and you know we went outside the wire on an MRAP to a different FOB and my mom and my family members are like, what did you just say? And then I have to realize, oh, outside the wire means leaving the base. And MRAP is what almost looks like a school bus, but it's combat related. Um, and then a FOB is another base. So it's just even those transitions of um, talking to friends so that they really understood what it was that I was saying. I think the other thing that was tough for me was um, I was going to school at Arizona State at the time. So when I came back, I went back to school and um, the discipline that you have being in the military and especially being I was a sergeant in the military and then sitting in a classroom where um, people weren't listening to the professor or they'd be on their laptops like on Facebook or doing chat. I just remember being like, hold it together. But I would want to be like, what are you doing? Um, So it was kind of small things like that. I had a situation where when I first came back from Iraq, I was out with friends having lunch. And I, we got up to leave, and I had forgotten my purse. And the way that I slung my purse was the same way that I slung my rifle over me. And I remember I left, and I was like, oh, my gosh, guys, I forgot my rifle. And all my friends, these friends are not in the military whatsoever. So they're like, you're what? And I'm like, oh, my purse. Sorry. So it was small, weird little transition, things like that. And I think um, you kind of go through a period of, I remember thinking, too, well, you know, I am i don't come from a military family. This is a year of my life. It's going to be an easy transition. You know, you sit through these briefings when you first get back. Um, and they tell you, oh, you can expect this, this, this. And I think pretty much every service member sitting there is thinking, ah, it's not me. Um, and then... And maybe it does become you. And it depends. Some of the struggles are, are small, like like I was mentioning with calling a purse a rifle. Um, others are maybe really not reintegrating. So c- sort of feeling like nobody understands me. I think one of the interesting things about being in the National Guard that sometimes people don't realize is when you're active duty, you know, you deploy with that unit and then you go brigade, battalion, whatever you deploy with, and then you come back and you're back in that military life. When you're in the Guard, you go from, you know, being a student at Arizona State, deploying to a war zone for a year, and then coming back and going back to school. And then in the Guard, you're dispersed all throughout the state. So you're not necessarily right there with everybody going through everything the same at the same time or in the same place, so to speak. So I think that um, provides different challenges. And then for some people, like I I was lucky to be a student at the time, um, but for others, it could be looking for another job. So you've just gone through that um, and now you're coming back to transition and find out what you're going to do, you know, full time. So I think that that provides a whole other challenge for people too. One of the, we've had uh, a veteran on Kellyanne who mm-hmm. had was like a, a dental hygienist. Yeah. But he was in in the guard, mm-hmm. right? And they got called up to be deployed, and he said, 
I'm not a soldier. Mm-hmm. I, 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 don't, I haven't gotten the training here. I felt completely out of place. Mm-hmm. And then if you're in the front line, yes. I talked to some Marines, and they said, we don't want these people here. Right, yeah. What, what was that like? Um, well, there, I think there's oh, – it's a good conversation. But there's definitely a thing between um, active duty and guard and reserve. I think sometimes they, they have that feeling of, oh, well, if they're, you know, they're not training all the time like we are, are they fit to be out here? I know for our – I can only speak to my experience, but I know for our unit, we trained for months um, before we ended up deploying. Um, and for myself, I'm, I'm probably I'm different than that dental hygienist in that even though I was a public affairs specialist, I joined the military to be a soldier. Um, I was always uh, very active in sports and things like that. And so when this opportunity kind of presented itself to me, I was like, oh, this would be amazing. Like to really what what interested me about the army in particular was that I really wanted to push myself to limits where it's like your mind can tell you sometimes like, oh, I can't do that. But then you realize it's your mind that's holding you back and you absolutely can do that. Um, so I think that was something that was interesting to me about the army and the military. Um, but so so for me, going over there, I, f- I felt prepared. Like, I felt like I'm ready. I'm trained. Um, obviously, there's moments where, you know, you really think about if, if I have to face this, can I, can I do these things? Um, and I think under certain circumstances, if you have the training and, and you're ready for that, you're ready. I don't, I don't know how else to describe that, but I think there are... Um, you know, it's different. That's the tough thing for service members. There's even in Arizona, there's 600,000 of us. Mm-hmm. Um, we're all different. We have different experiences. I know for, I actually deployed with one of my best friends. And for us, we were sort of like, we just talked about like, oh, we're ready for this. Like we can do this. Now, again, looking back, I don't know if that's because I was 21, 22, <laughs> thinking like, I can do anything. Um, but looking back on it, it's like, whoa, I can't believe I did the things I did at, at, at that age. That is amazing. Well, we're up against the break here, and we're going to come back and get into Kellyanne's post-military, and it's even more interesting than what she just told us about her in-service time. So don't go away. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Book Frank Zakari as the motivational speaker at your next event. Frank is a dynamic, entertaining, and fascinating storyteller. Your organization will be entertained and will learn stories of success they can implement immediately. Email Frank today to secure him for your next event at lifealteringeventsradio at gmail.com or call 916-718-5517. Mention that you heard about it from the Life Altering Events radio program. You can also visit Frank's website for more information at frankzakari.com. Frank Zakari has written five books spanning a range of life-altering events and how to handle them. When the Wife Cheats is about a man with two young daughters handling the devastating loss of a cheating wife. Inside the Spaghetti Bowl is about how one family stays together through both good and bad. Five Years to Live follows a couple through life after a tragic accident, recovery, and prognosis. 
From the Ashes is a turnaround management success story about the University of Washington volleyball team. Find the books at Amazon in print, audio, and Kindle formats and at frankzakari.com. Multiple studies show us that the vast majority of people are disengaged at work. A Gallup report stated that two-thirds of American workers are unhappy and 15% actually hate their work. That means that 81% are not engaged to work for a common goal. Frank Zakari and his team have programs to help you change this dynamic and create a collaborative and high-performing organization. Visit frankzakari.com to set up an initial consultation today. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Life-Altering Events with Frank Zakari. To call into the program today with questions or comments, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or you can send an email to lifealteringeventsradio at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. We are having an absolutely fantastic conversation here with Kelly Ann Wild who is the director or the assistant director of the program in the state of Arizona called the Coalition for Military Families. Now, Kellyanne deployed to Iraq, and she was telling us about some of the adventures that she had and that it always is not all gloom and doom when you're there, and there were some fun things that she went through, but there was also some dangerous issues that came into play. Kellyanne, elaborate a little more on that. Sure, absolutely. I... Uh, I was just talking earlier about how, you know, we were able, I was able to skateboard for the first time while I was overseas. But then there obviously um, were really difficult times. Like we went on, I went on a lot of convoys, especially being a public affairs specialist. I had um, two weeks, I did a story two weeks uh, in the the life of an infantryman. Um, There was, I got to go uh, on a a mission with some tanks so it it is difficult I just one of the things that I wanted to bring up is I think sometimes when people hear about being deployed or they hear that somebody's in the military there's a lot of these assumptions that um, it was difficult and it was rough and it was awful and I want to say that yes there are definitely those rough difficult times I the gear that I wore weighed more than I did Um, it's the hottest day that I experienced over there was 131 degrees and that was the day that I came back from leave too so the day you have two weeks leave so I went on leave came home and then went back to Iraq and it was 131 degrees and it's just when you take off your IPA like your bulletproof vest um, you can see it looks like it's still on that's how sweaty it is so it it is difficult but I will say I think sometimes uh, people focus on that aspect of it versus some of the good times that we have over there too and a lot of when I'm working with service members veterans and their families that's one of the things that we focus on or even providers when we're training them about military veteran culture is you know don't make these assumptions because somebody was in the military or, or they deployed that it was awful or they had a rough time you know there's tough times I'm sure they've gone through but there are probably great times that get you through that too I think it's that whole was the best of times it was the worst of times because you find a way to get through it and you get through it together that's one of the things we've hear over and over again is there's this sense of of community Mm -hmm. and even though there's some things that are are strenuous and difficult Mm -hmm. but it's a sense of community that you probably will never have 
ever again to that level. Yeah. Is that true? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think one of the things that I found really interesting while I was deployed is um, because I was in public affairs, I traveled all throughout the country um, by convoy. Sometimes I was on helicopters. But um, one thing that I noticed is how I mentioned the base, the large base uh, that had the swimming pools and the gym and things like that. I kind of noticed that when I would go to smaller fobs, so forward operating bases, where it was basically just the people and a tent, um, it almost seemed like people were happier in that scenario than having all of those things. Because sometimes you get uh, too close to areas where they're like, well, it almost seems like you're not deployed overseas. Mm -hmm. So it gets a little too, they crack down on weird rules like wearing your PT belt or Mm -hmm. definitely service members and veterans that have been over there know exactly what I'm talking about. Yes, they do. Um, But when you're in these smaller areas, it's, it's just you and your team. And it's really when you get down to relying on each other and knowing that that's what you have, and that's really what matters. So it was always interesting to me um, that those units always seem to be the happiest. That's very interesting. Mm -hmm. There, again, is a very strong sense of community there. So you get out of the military, Kellyanne, and you start your career in public public affairs, public relations. What did you learn in the military that helped you as you went into this? Uh, That's a great question. I think one of the things I really learned is just to um, trust myself and know kind of how I said before, it seems like I I remember even in basic training, there was um, this tower that we had to rappel down. And I never, I never show fear. Like if I'm scared, I don't let anybody know it. But I was really scared to go down that. And I remember thinking like, I can't do this. Like I knew that day was coming in basic training. I'm like, I can't do this. And you just realize like, oh, no, first thing I'm going to do is tie the knot. Next thing I'm going to do, I'm going to climb the tower. And then when it gets to coming down, you just have to do that. Um, And I think kind of realizing sometimes that your mind can hold you back, like thinking, oh, I can't, I don't, I don't know if I can do this. Um, And then you just do it. And I think learning that at, so I went to basic training when I was 18. Um, So learning that at a young age and then thinking like, whoa, what is a deployment going to be like? And can I make it through something like that? um, Just really gives you a a confidence in yourself and a trust to just say, I can do this. So when I got out of the, when I came back, I worked as the state public affairs representative for the National Guard. with a team, we had a team, uh, and then I deployed from ASU, and I moved to Chicago, and I moved to Chicago without a job. And everybody that I knew was like, oh, what are you doing? That's crazy. And now looking back, especially with, with what I do now, I'm like, yeah, I should have had a plan. I definitely should have. Um, but I just trusted myself, and I knew I'm going to land on my feet. Like, I have to. There's no other choice. Um, so I think that's kind of something that, that the military – I've always kind of been a little bit like that, though, anyways. Um, but then I think the military just made, made me even more confident um, in myself and being able to just trust that, that if I need to get something done, I will. You told a story in the uh, in the training class that I was at that you conducted uh, being in Chicago and a copier mm-hmm. breaking in a major presentation coming on. Yes. And tell that story because sure. you're going to love this. <laughs> sure. So we had a, a major client coming in and um, the firm that I worked for was a design firm. So we're revamping the website of a very large um, company. And the VP of that company was coming in, and the printer jammed down. So we had uh, three floors, and the printer jammed on the first floor, and 
people were just going insane. I walked in the office and I'm like, what is going on? People literally, I think I saw somebody running in a circle. <laughs> um, and I was just like, whoa, what is happening? And they said, the printer was jammed. We don't know what to do. The VP's coming in and we need to print this. And I just like stopped and I was like, okay, here's what we're going to do. Cancel that printing. See if the printer on the top works. Um, and they were like, no, that one's jammed too. And I said, okay, let's call FedEx. There was a FedEx right down the street. I'm like, call FedEx, see if they can just rush print order it. We went there all the time because we printed so many things. So I was like, let me just call the person that I that I know over there. And they were able to print things right away. I ran over, grabbed them, and had them all set out um, before the meeting started. But while I'm doing this, I kind of looked around the office and everybody else was just kind of like in shock. And when I, and I didn't notice because I just got in the zone. And then when I came back, everybody was like, whoa, how did you do that? And I was like, what print things and they're like no stay calm when it was such a high pressure situation and I was like that is not a high pressure situation I mean it is it is high pressure but I was like that I've seen much more high pressure pressure situations so I think it also um kind of taught me definitely to stay calm under pressure and just like you almost step back from the stress that you would feel and just look at the situation and be like this person can do this this person can do this which I think definitely came from um, the military. I also feel like it comes from playing sports a little bit too because mm-hmm. I think of like when I played basketball in high school too it's like you have five seconds and you need to you know make two points you figure out what needs to happen on the court so um, but I think the military definitely takes that to a whole other level. I've seen that quite a bit in the in the uh, in the business world. Mm-hmm. Uh, I came through the high tech sector and I recall uh, a former captain or, or major at that point uh, had, had been discharged. He was a pilot. Mm-hmm. And things are going astray and awry all over the place. Yeah. And he's always calm. Mm-hmm. Right? And someone said to him, how do you do this? And he said, well, my last job, if I made a mistake, people died. Mm-hmm. Okay? No one's going to die here. Right. So just relax. Exactly. Keep breathing. Who puts it in perspective. Exactly. Now, Kellyanne, you're in Chicago. Mm-hmm. I grew up in Buffalo, so yep. I can I can relate to Chicago. Yes. And you decided to come back. What was the the the, the moment where you said I got to get out of here? Um, I, well, I think so. So one thing too in my transition, and I I definitely realize this now, especially with what I do now. But um, the position that I was even put in in Chicago was a very entry level. It was the entry level position to that organization, um, and I was overqualified for it. And I think that's one thing that's difficult for service members and veterans. That's definitely something that our organization works to do now is making sure that we don't have service members that graduate college, have all this experience in the military, and then they go to interview and we say, oh, all these these years of experience and your degree doesn't matter. You start here, which is shocking, but it happens far too frequently. Um, that was something that that happened to me within this organization. It was a, a great organization. They did really amazing work. I'm still really close with pretty much everybody that I worked with um, while I was there. But I think the moment for me was um, the first winter, everybody kept warning me like, oh, Chicago's so cold. Even in my job interview, they said, now you're from Arizona and you deployed to Iraq. Are you sure you're going to be able to make it through a winter? And I remember my answer to the interview question was, well, I was in 131 degrees overseas. I can't imagine that this would be worse. It was worse. Um, uh, It was negative 40 degrees one day when I was standing waiting for the bus. And I remember wiggling my toes in my snow boots to make sure I still had my toes. 
And I was like this. And this was the time, too, when, like, the Cubs are playing spring training here in Arizona. And I'm seeing all my friends' pictures sitting out in the sunshine. And I was like, ah, this is, I miss Arizona. Um, And I really did miss working with service members, veterans, and their families. And I'd kind of find out, found out about this position. Um, so I was really intrigued to come back. But when I was leaving the service, I was definitely in the mode of, I am done um, with the military. And I think it was good to get away from it. When you get away from something, sometimes it helps you appreciate it. And I think that was me with the military and also the state of Arizona. Because I realized, wow, it's not 75 degrees most days everywhere. I understand. I understand. I grew up in Buffalo, and that's the reason that we're sitting here in Arizona today. Yeah, exactly. Because I grew up in Buffalo. Exactly. Where there's a little bit of rain this morning, and people are like, careful, it's raining. I'm like, oh, I love that kind of warning for a drizzle of rain. Right, exactly. <laughs> All right, so Kellyanne, tell, tell the listeners, how did you learn about this Coalition for Military Families? So I learned about the Arizona Coalition for Military Families actually while I was at the Public Affairs Office in the National Guard um, when I had come back from Iraq. They had just started um, then. It was our um, directors, Thomas and and Nicola Winkle, that were just starting the Arizona Coalition for Military Families. And when I came back, I actually had a a friend that was working there and had said, hey, have you thought about this? And the interesting thing is I had actually applied for a different position somewhere else, but um, Nicola who's with the Arizona Coalition for Military Families, was on the panel during my interview. So I found out I didn't get the job I applied for, but they approached me and said, well, but you're perfect for this. And looking back, I'm like, I'm really glad that I ended up in this position because it is a good fit. Um, Even for what I do with talking about not being from a military family and having to, I mean, I had to train my own family on military veteran culture. And now what I do for a living is train people on military veteran culture. And I think um, I'm really passionate about training people who have no, um, like no idea about the military or what it's, what it's like to be in the service. Cause I think that's something I'm passionate about because you don't know if you've never heard about it. So I think it, it comes from just even my own family. I feel like I've, I trained them and now it's like, Oh, would you like to do this for a living? Sure. <laughs> Makes sense. Mm -hmm. Now, are you still the assistant director? I'm the assistant director of programs, yes. Assistant director of programs. All right. There you have a program called Be Connected, Mm -hmm. and it's amazing. Um, How did that start, and why did it start? So Be Connected is a program that really – one of the one of the reasons the coalition was even created too is that there's all these resources and things that can help service members, veterans, and their families, but it is so hard – to find those resources. So what we did is pull those all together in one centralized location. And what I mean is not just those resources, but actually working with those organizations. So instead of organizations working in silos, it's the entire state working together. Um, So that if somebody goes to utilize one resource and they say, hey, you're not, you, you don't qualify to get resources here. Instead of just getting that no, they get, oh, you don't qualify here, but if you call the Be Connected line, they could maybe tell you where you can go to get resources. So it's kind of um, making it so there's no wrong door and no wrong person that somebody can find. So with the support line, you can call that from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. and they help, and we have an uh, incredible um, group of people that run the support line. They're amazing and really passionate about it. And then what happens is if you call that line, and it's a little bit more of a difficult case, um, and they realize somebody needs to go out and see this person face-to-face, then we send one of our Be Connected 
connect to navigators and they can go and actually help fill out paperwork, help them get enrolled in the VA, do different things like that. But we really take a holistic approach of um, it's not going to be, you know, one one thing serves everyone. I think sometimes when people hear service member veteran, they automatically think the VA, um, which the VA can be a great resource. But there are so many other resources, too. And not everybody qualifies for the VA, too. So really with Be Connected, we make it so that you can get to these different resources. And it doesn't have to be. I think sometimes people think if you're calling these lines, like you have to be struggling or, or you know, having issues with something. But that's not the case. You can call the line to figure out what events are going on. You can call the line for volunteer opportunities to figure out about different certifications that are available if you are transitioning and looking for a new career. Um, and there's all these resources that can pay for some of those certifications, but people and employers, that's also, we work with employers to know all these various programs that they can utilize. They don't know they exist, um, unless we tell them about it. So what we really do is try to maximize the utilization of programs that are in existence. Tell, tell the listeners about this intake form. We In the training class that I was in when the Kellyanne performed, she gave us this form, and we were, we were filling it out, and I went, oh, my God, this, mm-hmm. is, this is amazing. Yeah, so it's the – so we have uh, different tools that you can use. So one of them is the resource connection guide. <coughs> Excuse me. And it's a form that goes through what the military service is. Then we go through um, topic areas of concern or really kind of the social determinants of health and kind of look at which ones that person needs to focus on. And then it'll show you the resources that they can use within we within the state of Arizona. But then also if there's some national resources that they can use, we can connect them to those also. Um, but it's really a hard copy version of what our Be Connected website can do. But we'll always have a hard copy version because... It can just plant the seed of support for people, too, to be able to see, like, oh, what is this program? They start reading it. There's a stress continuum that shows people how stressed they can be. Um, <clears throat> and looking at that in and of itself is a way of not having to say everything that you're dealing with or you're feeling, because feelings can be tough for anybody to talk about, um, but let alone if you put that military stigma on it. Um, but I even had a family member that looked at it once and was like, oh, can I keep this? And I was like, yes, because we know you're in that zone. And now hopefully you do. Um, But so that's something that we have, too. And then we have our website and the support line number, too. And when we were putting this together, uh, a lot of the people were veterans in the the class, but there are also an awful lot of support organizations. Mm -hmm. And they were all hoarding these forms to take back with them. Yeah. Um, And so you take input from people from the outside, not necessarily just veterans. Mm -hmm. Right, absolutely. So um, really the way that we look at our program is it can be anybody. It doesn't have to be a service member, veteran, or family member um, that comes to the training. It doesn't have to be a specific veteran service organization. One of the things that we say is there are a lot of resources that are specific for service members, veterans, and their families, but we're also just people. So there's all those resources available too. And I always use the examples. When I start the training, sometimes I'll ask people like, oh, how many service members and veterans, family members do you work with? People say, oh, like I work at a library. I don't. And then I say, well, if I walked in and I asked you for help, would you assume I was an Iraq war veteran? And they're like, oh, no. (laughs) Um, And then that's when I say, if you're not asking that question, you're probably serving this population, especially here in Arizona, uh, more frequently than you know, because it's about 
25% of our population is either a service member, veteran, or family member. And once you know that, then you can help them with whatever they need, but you can also get them connected to this Be Connected program if they need anything. I even think of if you have a neighbor that's, oh, I'm a veteran, and I've just been looking to give back to the community. This actually happened to me when, I, when uh, my spouse and I bought our, our house, and our neighbor was like, oh, are you a veteran? Saw my plate. And I was like, yeah. And he goes, oh, I've been looking to volunteer. And I was like, call this number. And he was like, that, that number was unbelievable. Then I was like, oh, yeah, that's who I work for. And he's like, they really had all the information. And it really takes, it's not, I really want to say, it's not just our team. It's all the teams that, that we work with to create Be Connected. Um, there's, you know, the Department of Veterans Services, all three um, VAs within the state, TriWest, Access, and then thousands of uh, crisis response network. There's uh, thousands of different Be Connected partners that we work with throughout the state. So it's just kind of taking those different collaboratives and those communities that are doing great things and pulling them all together to be working as an entire state together. And that's how it works. That is incredible, uh, ladies and gentlemen. This is something that can be a model across the country, and not just for veterans. This is something that uh, what Kellyanne and her organization has put together can can be a model for any kind of social service or any kind of an event along those lines. Mm-hmm. Well, we're up against another break. This show is going way too fast. <laughs> Don't go away. Kellyanne's going to come back and continue on with the program that she is heavily involved in in helping military families. Stay with us. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Book Frank Zakari as the motivational speaker at your next event. Frank is a dynamic, entertaining, and fascinating storyteller. Your organization will be entertained and will learn stories of success they can implement immediately. Email Frank today to secure him for your next event at lifealteringeventsradio at gmail.com or call 916-718-5517. Mention that you heard about it from the Life Altering Events radio program. You can also visit Frank's website for more information at frankzakari.com. Frank Zakari has written five books spanning a range of life-altering events and how to handle them. When the Wife Cheats is about a man with two young daughters handling the devastating loss of a cheating wife. Inside the Spaghetti Bowl is about how one family stays together through both good and bad. Five Years to Live follows a couple through life after a tragic accident, recovery, and prognosis. From the Ashes is a turnaround management success story about the University of Washington volleyball team. Find the books at Amazon in print, audio, and Kindle formats and at frankzakari.com. Multiple studies show us that the vast majority of people are disengaged at work. A Gallup report stated that two-thirds of American workers are unhappy and 15% actually hate their work. That means that 81% are not engaged to work for a common goal. Frank Zakari and his team have programs to help you change this dynamic and create a collaborative and high-performing organization. Visit frankzakari.com to set up an initial consultation today. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel.
You are listening to Life-Altering Events with Frank Zakari. To call into the program today with questions or comments, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or you can send an email to lifealteringeventsradio at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. We, what, a, what a conversation we're having today. We have Kelly Ann Wild, who's the Assistant Director for Programs for the State of Arizona Coalition for Military Families. And Kellyanne has given us a, just an, an, an outstanding overview of what it was like to be a deployed in the military as a 22-year-old woman, the experiences she had, what she learned, what she has done coming back. And now she is in a very influential position with a group called the Coalition for Military Families. And just before the break, Kellyanne had mentioned the outreach that the program has put in place and how when she bought her new house with her husband, she found out one of her neighbors was uh, a veteran. Um, elaborate on the story a little more, Kellyanne. Um, so one of the things that we think is really important or we see with service members and veterans sometimes is they can feel a little bit isolated, like they feel um, on their own or that, you know, nobody understands them anymore. This is just, I'm not saying everybody, but this can be something that, that they go through. And I think it's really important for anybody that's feeling that way to know that they don't have to, um, and that there are programs out there to be able to help. And they don't necessarily have to be, you know, going to therapy or something like that. That can be helpful. But what we see is a lot of times it can be whether they're, um, you know, going for runs with Team Red, White, and Blue, or they're using some of those different programs that are, or it's, you know, is it a... Um, arts program for service members and veterans, something that gets them out of the house and has a place to show up to and be around like-minded people. Uh, but that's really one of the reasons that, that we have Be Connected is that so people know they, they don't have to be alone. There's support out there. Um, sometimes it's just getting that sense of community again. You have the camaraderie in the military, but how do you find that community and that connection that you felt while you were in the service? And a lot of times it can even be volunteering. And that's a that's a big thing that we talk about too and and if you look at um, service members and veterans they actually volunteer three times the amount as the civilian population so one of the things that we talk about with our training is even a healthy service member and veteran um, is a, a healthy community because one of the first things we want to do is, is give back and one of the other things that I've noticed excuse me <clears throat> in our trainings is almost all of a lot of the veterans that go through struggles and they make it through and they realize it doesn't have to be this hard. It doesn't have to be, you know, tough to live every day, honestly. Once they get out on the other side, one of the first things that they want to do is give back to the community and make sure that they know it doesn't have to be that way. And that is really a huge reason for the Be Connected program, too, is so that it's easy to reach out and easy to find that community. It literally is as easy as picking up that phone and the and dialing the number. The number is one 426 429-8387 and it's operated from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. If you leave a message um, after 5 p.m., it is returned within one business day. If somebody calls and they're in crisis, they're actually able to hit a button and it would roll over right into crisis too. So um, it's kind of just that, that line to be able to help with, with everything. The sense of community and unit mm -hmm. in the military it was what it was all about. Yes. And I'm a Vietnam-era veteran and one of the things that I see in dealing with, with a lot of veteran groups is it hurts, it hurts a veteran to see another veteran struggling. 
It does. Um, <clears throat> it does, absolutely. And I think uh, I actually did, I conducted a navigator training one time, and it was a smaller group, so I had everybody get up and introduce themselves and say what organization they were with. And I actually had a, a gentleman introduce himself, and he was a homeless veteran. And he said, I'm, I'm actually a homeless veteran, and I'm here to find resources for the other homeless veterans that are around me. Not even for himself, um, but to be able to take it back to those homeless veterans <clears throat> and share with them the other resources. We were able to get him housing by the, the end of that training. Um, but, I mean, that's the type of people that we're talking about when we're talking about service members and veterans. So I think one of the things that um, I'm really passionate, and I think maybe why I talked about, too, the, the good points of being deployed is that I don't want people to pity service members and veterans. I want, us, I want them to realize how strong we are. And I have to say, especially as a woman veteran, um, the things that you've put up with as a woman veteran are tough. Um, but if you can get through that, l look at all the things that you can accomplish. And I think that's sometimes uh, what, what people don't realize is how strong service members and veterans are. Um, and can transition be difficult? Yes. But can we also be extremely successful in that transition? Absolutely. And are we? Yes. And I think um, sometimes people don't think about it that way. And that's kind of become the narrative of, oh, it's tough and they can't transition. But yes, we can. Um, and when we do and if, when we get the help that we need to make that transition even easier, um, we come out on the other side wanting to help other people and, and help them be you know, successful and happy in their everyday life, too. And a great deal of that success comes from programs like you have and you've put together your navigator resource training that, mm -hmm. that I attended, uh, talk about that and, and how you've expanded that reach uh, throughout the state. Sure, absolutely. So um, I think one one thing that's really unique about this program is a lot of times people say, well, how do we reach the, the service members and the veterans? And they, they really kind of try to target working with the military installations or the actual guard and reserve installations. But we kind of take a, a different approach where we say, well, let's meet them whenever they're ready um, versus saying, okay, you need to do this right now. You're transitioning. You need to do A, B, C, D. When we're not ready to hear it at that time, exactly. honestly. Exactly. Um, and maybe for some people, they, they're ready 30 days later. They're ready six months, five years. Um, so the way that we look at it is by training the community. Um, and that means everybody in the community. So when people ask us, like, well, who can take this navigation training? I say everyone. Um, it's almost like CPR where you can take this. You don't know if you'll necessarily use it, but if you come across a service member, veteran, or family member, you'll know where to direct them. You'll have tools to be able to help them. And again, even if they're not um, struggling or anything like that, but they just want to know where to volunteer or how to help out, you can get them um, the Be Connected information and they can get kind of get that sense of community again too. We have, and you don't have to be a service member, veteran or family member to volunteer for the things we do. You can be anybody and that's really the way we look at it with that, like I was saying earlier, that no wrong door, no wrong person approach. Um, and I think that is one of my favorite things about it is anybody can help. Absolutely. During this training program, ladies and gentlemen, Kellyanne showed three clips to uh, the people in the navigation class. And I wanted her to, uh, to touch on the three clips and what the response was from all the attendees in that. 
So explain those, Kellyanne. Sure. Uh, one of the things that I'm, I'm really proud about with our training, too, is we keep them really interactive. It is, it's not just a PowerPoint slide where we're going through, like, next slide, next slide. We have some interactive videos. Um, we actually sometimes will bring gear so people can feel how, how heavy that gear is. And then we play some videos that just kind of give people a little understanding of some of the things that you can go through um, when you're in the service. And then... We have one video where I think you expect something to happen, and I don't want to give it away in case anybody attends the next training, but um, it kind of shows you the stress that you can have just trying to figure out what's about to happen, even if nothing happens. And that video is two and a half minutes, um, and people always feel like, whoa, that felt like it was an hour. And we say, like, well, how long do you think convoys last when you're overseas? Much longer than two and a half minutes. Um, and I always talk about, you know, we don't say that, that services are only for combat veterans or ones that deployed overseas. It's really for anybody. Even if you're in training situations, those can be difficult. Um, you're doing dangerous things. Uh, accidents can happen in those, too. So we really make sure that people know that it's for all service members, veterans, and their families. But that's kind of what we use that video for is for people to see you can be stressed just being in those situations. And I think about the first time I landed back in the United States after being deployed, I had this giant weight lift off my shoulders that I had no idea was there for a year until landing and realizing, oh, you take this like almost deep breath and you're like, oh, I'm back, I'm home. Um, but you don't realize that your shoulders have been so tense for that whole year. The uh, I, I was in that training class uh, and and that, that clip Kellyanne was talking about, the two and a half minutes, at the end, she stops it, and I don't know how many people in the class, 50, 60 people, mm -hmm. and everyone was just big sigh, oh my God, there was, you, you, were, you were absolutely exhausted watching a two and a half minute clip. Yeah, yeah, and I think that just kind of puts people, give, gives a little bit, the reason we do that video is just to give a little bit um, of that perspective or, you know, just even the, the feelings that you're talking about having. Um, that's why we do it. Well, we're getting close to the end here, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> uh, Kellyanne's organization has an event coming up here fairly soon. Kellyanne, tell the people about that and where they can find it. Sure. So we have our um, Arizona Statewide Symposium. So that's April 15th and 16th. Um, all of our trainings are at no cost. This is the only event that we do charge for only because the rental of the space of the conference center. It's not a fundraiser, um, but there are scholarships to be able to get in as well, too. But really what we do is bring in all the different various organizations from the entire state and meet together. We usually have about um, 600 attendees. We have five um, breakout sessions and five different tracks for those full two days. Uh, and I think... A lot of the feedback that we hear from people when they attend the symposium is, oh, I wish I could attend all of these at, at once, because um, we do have so many. We're really intentional about which speakers we have come um, and making sure that the breakout sessions are very dynamic and interactive. Um, and it's just a, it's a fun two days. It's full. It's great. There's great networking there, too. You find out about all the different resources available. Um, so I just, if anybody's interested, I would highly recommend going. You can find the registration link at BeConnectedAZ.org. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're going to be anywhere in the Phoenix, Arizona area, April 15, 16, make time. Come to see this. It's, it is definitely worthwhile. So, Kellyanne, we're just about out of time. Thank you so much for being here with us today yeah, and sharing you your me. experiences. As I said, ladies and gentlemen, the show just about over. It went way too fast. Some things I always say to people at the end, no matter what life throws at you, do three things. Look up, 
get up, and never ever give up. Pick up the pieces and start moving forward. You'll find that better times and better people will enter your life. If you want more information about Kellyanne or her organization, either send me an email and I'll make sure it gets to her if you don't go to her directly. If you missed any of this show or any of our other shows, you can listen to them on demand at a number of different places now, including iHeartRadio, Google, and Alexa. Let me leave you with this, ladies and gentlemen. None of us are in this alone. The secret to walking on water is to know where the rocks are. And today, Kellyanne Wilde told you where a lot of those rocks are. Join us again next week as we discuss another life-altering event. Thank you for tuning into Life-Altering Events. Be sure to join Frank Zakari again next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a life-changing week. The Good Cop.